Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast, a place for you to be curious about your biology and discover new ways to upgrade and optimize your mind, body, and human performance. The guests on this podcast are trained experts in the fields of functional health, holistic wellness, and biohacking who share my passion to provide useful and actionable information with all of you that I hope will help you to live your best life. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm excited to get curious together. Today, I'm excited because we're going to dive into the topic of integrative mental health and talk about some exciting and emerging practices in this field with my good friend, Caitlin Bailey, who is a licensed psychotherapist at the Tarnow Center for Self-Management in Houston. Caitlin graduated from the Kincaid School and received her bachelor's in experimental psychology from the University of South Carolina, and then she received her master's of education in counseling psychology from the University of Houston. She specializes in neurofeedback primarily for children and adolescents with behavioral, emotional, or intellectual disabilities, and she believes in a holistic approach to therapy, which she'll actually tell us more about today. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about the progressive and really cool work that you're doing at the Tarnow Center? Sure. I I work with a wide range of patients. I would say probably around 60% of my patients are children ages around 4 through 17 or so. But obviously working with children is working alongside their parents. Um, and a lot of the times we, we do these complex interventions and diagnoses and treatments on children um, and their parents will actually come back and request the same thing for themselves. So um, I work at a center. It's a, it's a private practice in Houston, Texas. It's called the Tarnow Center for Self-Management. And there we offer several different non-medication treatment and testing options. Um, as far as the populations go, I work with a lot of kids with oppositional defiant disorder, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder, um, a lot of kids with anxiety. And then I do have around probably 40% of the clients um, or the, the kids that I work with are somewhere along the autistic spectrum. Um, and then as far as parents and adults go, we, we work kind of all over the spectrum with them, um, you know, whether it's just simple simple parenting anxieties or ADHD or trying to get on the same page with communication. And as far as kind of the modalities, um, we we offer a pretty comprehensive um, intake. And I think that that's really what separates us apart from how other psychological practices are doing their intakes. Typically, if you go to see a psychologist or you go to see a psychiatrist, they just ask you a series of questions and they just do a basic intake form. Um, This helps them screen for different psychiatric disorders, but it also gives them a general sense of who you are and what you're looking for in in counseling and in therapy. So instead of doing that, and while we do have a very comprehensive intake, um, that actually is just one piece um, of the puzzle. And so typically what, what, how, how we work is you'll meet with me or with one of the nurse practitioners and, and you'll do a general intake. We'll get all of the background information. Um, and once we do that, we'll kind of devise a treatment um, or a testing plan for you. And that plan can be as comprehensive or as basic as, as the client likes. Um, but um, if, you, if you kind of do the full package, we start out by doing the psychological intake and then we do what's called a QEG, it's a quantitative EEG, 
Um, and this helps us analyze your brain waves. We send them to America, we send them to the European database, we send them to the Russian data, database, and basically allows us to compare your brain waves to those around the world and the norm populations. So we, we use the QEG as one part of um, diagnoses, but we also then um, will do a genome study, a pharmacogenomic study. And what this is is a simple cheek swab, and it tests around over 100 psychiatric medications, and it, it lets us know what type of metabolizer you are. So just because you have taken a medication before, even if, especially if you didn't feel like it worked, Part of the reason what we see for medication failure is that the dosage was wrong. So this allows us to know, you know, if you're a rapid metabolizer, if you're a slow metabolizer, and, and this varies from medication to medication. So just because you're a rapid metabolizer of Prozac, you may be an ultra slow metabolizer of Zoloft. So this basically helps the psychiatrist with dosing of medication if psychiatric medication is the route that you want to go. Um, the third thing that we offer is what's called a spectrocell micronutrient test. This is a um, vitamin and mineral um, deficiency test. And this, this, is, this is more than just your blood test that you do through your general practitioner. This is a lymphocyte white blood cell test. So this tells us how you're metabolizing those vitamins and minerals. Um, it tests all of your Bs, your D, your A, your, um, all of the minerals. It tests your immune system. It tests your antioxidant levels, your function and antioxidant levels. So even if we are you know, on the correct medication or even if we're exercising or even if we're eating healthy, a lot of the time we can still be deficient. Um, there's three ways that things end up on this list as deficient. Number one is deficiency through diet, which is hands down the most common. Um, number two is deficiency because of genetics. So we know that females and males uh, metabolize things differently. And then number three is deficiency through medication. So if you have been taking a psychiatric medication, um, we know what, what it depletes the body of, but we also, we also go one step further and we know that, for example, antacids deplete the body or we know that um, antivirals deplete the body or antibiotics deplete the body. So if you are on any type of daily medication, you know, from a daily antacid to a daily allergy pill, without supplementing the body back with those micronutrients, what, what happens over time is we begin to become um, more numb to the effects of those medications, um, which usually then ultimately leads to us either needing to switch medications or for us to increase the dosage. Mm. Um, so that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, if you find that your patient is deficient in some of these vitamins and minerals and you go on a, a treatment to correct that, um, what is the disadvantage of that patient when they do have a deficiency? Mm -hmm. so, so that's what's so cool about micronutrients and what is so undervalued about them is, is we have people that come in you know, with all, all shapes and sizes and all sorts of diagnoses, whether it's been a diagnosis for 20 years or whether it's a recent one. And, and unfortunately, you know, this kind of goes back to what I'll tie in at the end, which is just because you have a symptom doesn't mean that you have that diagnosis. And unfortunately, when we look at the categories of what micronutrient deficiency looks like, we see things like elevated depression, elevated anxiety, decreased focus and attention, um, elevated hyperactivity. We see energy levels drop. We can check for adrenal fatigue. 
We see fatigue in general, insomnia, sleep-wake cycle issues. And so, you know, while people may come to us and say, you know, I'm having all of these things, so I think I have a disorder, um, one of our first one of our first tests that we usually run is to just check where our body is. If our if our body, for example, is deficient in in vitamin in any of the vitamin Bs. Um, we typically don't sleep as well. We have a restless sleep, even if we are sleeping. Um, trouble is falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up in the morning rested. We have absolutely um, elevated levels of anxiety and depression. Um, so what, what this person may feel um, is anxiety or is depression may actually just be an underlying cause or an underlying symptom of micronutrient deficiency. Um, so typically what we do is we'll, we'll run the micronutrients and then we will bring um, the client back in for a consultation around 14 days later once we get the results and we'll go ahead and get them started on supplements to replete what they are deficient in. So for example, if you've got, you know, all of your Bs are depleted, we'll give you a methyl B complex. We only use pharmaceutical grade supplements and this, that would be a whole different podcast if I, I could go on for hours about the importance of using pharmaceutical grade versus over-the-counter, mm-hmm. um, not only for harmful additives that they put in, but also anybody suffering with allergies. Typically, they add dairy and gluten um, into the casings of, of the over, over-the-counter medication. So we only, um, and then not to mention the most important one, there's no quality standards and um, there's no FDA approval for quality of supplements. Mm. So if somebody wanted to get better grade supplements Mm -hmm. where is like the best resource for them is there a place online they can go or is it better just to go through their functional health practitioner Mm -hmm. so typically um Typically, especially we have clients that are, are from all over the country and really all over the world. Um, so typically what we'll do is we'll, we'll set you up with resources within your area. There are some that are available um, without a doctor. Intramax by Drucker Labs is, is one of our go-to. And they make a lot of child-friendly. They make liquids and chewables, which obviously is really important for those people that can't um, or won't swallow pills. Um, mm-hmm. So orthomolecular is who we use. Um, but again, uh, to go about getting them, we typically hook you up with either your general practitioner um, or a functional medicine doctor within the area. Oh, okay. That's helpful. So that's what I would suggest. Um, and then the last, um, well, actually, I mean, I could go on and on about what we do offer, but <laughs> kind of the last part of the, the, the package um, that we typically do um, as far as you know, understanding the client is we um, run an ALCAT food intolerance and sensitivity testing. Um, and the ALCAT test is great. It tests over um, 250 food um, foods, um, medicinal herbs, it tests environmental chemicals, it tests food dyes, colorings. Um, and basically, the goal of the ALCAT test um, is instead of just doing a basic elimination diet, um, it actually lets you know exactly what foods you're, you're sensitive to, but also at what level. So you can be severely intolerant, or you can be moderately, or you can be mild. Um, and there's a whole rotation diet that we go through um, you know, to hopefully help alleviate some of the symptoms. But um, especially since we work so much with kids, Part of the issue is with with these elimination diets. You know, there's obviously been this big shift towards you know gluten free and dairy free and casein free and all all of these 
you know, additive free and food dye free. Um, and while those work great for some people, we, we never really want to eliminate a huge food group um, unless absolutely, you know, medically necessary. Um, for example, gluten for people without a gluten intolerance um, is actually really, really beneficial. Um, while dairy can be inflammatory, you know, it, it obviously is, is a part of growth from a young age. So this basically gives us a little bit of clarity um, on, you know, which specific foods to eliminate. Um, I, I know when I did mine, you know, part of part of my intolerance, three of mine were Brussels sprouts and um, broccoli and mm. asparagus. And, and, interesting. Yeah, and those are three of my favorite foods. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's so interesting because while I was eating those Brussels sprouts and broccoli and asparagus, of course, I'm sitting here thinking I'm being very healthy. Um, but this ties into that, you know, the, the whole idea of what's healthy for me is not necessarily helpful um, and healthy for you. Um, right. This is why there's not one diet that works or one medication that works or one treatment that works. Um, we are individuals and without individualizing a treatment plan and, and a diagnosis and, a, um, and an understanding of, of the person as an individual, we really are missing um, a huge opportunity. Yeah. Um, I love that um, that your center is really taking into account not only the person's diagnosis or the symptoms that they're experiencing as far as like anxiety, depression, um, or if they have uh, obsessive disorders or even mm -hmm. if they're a child on the autistic spectrum. Um, I love that you're looking at lifestyle, behavior, and physiological biomarkers that tell you more about the entire person rather than just um, just their diagnosis. Absolutely, and I think you know diagnosis is such um, such an interesting term because um, you know while while somebody may have a diagnosis at one point it it's not a life sentence and a lot of the times you know people do overcome depression or they do overcome anxiety um and and so again this we have this idea at the center and, and this i think really is the the pinnacle behind integrative mental health mm -hmm. um is that without understanding the person from an individual level and without just without understanding where these symptoms are arising from um, there really is no effective treatment. So, you know, just because you have ADHD, the easy thing would be to, you know, put a medication on. But if my ADHD is showing as ADHD because I'm hyperactive, because I eat a handful of Skittles every day and I'm actually sensitive to red dye, mm -hmm. um, there's no medication that can fix that. And, and the only thing that medication is going to do is, is potentially... In decrease some of these symptoms but mm -hmm. but then that goes back to this whole idea of well if I get rid of the the skittles and I'm not showing symptoms of ADHD anymore do I still have ADHD um, and that's really the question I think that we we challenge most parents with is um, you know instead of just assuming that because a symptom is present that it's it's the cause of an underlying diagnosis let's look first um, at the at the root cause of a symptom and instead of just labeling a child or labeling you know yourself let's try to figure out if we can start to alleviate some of those some of those symptoms um, by the cause for example if I go to 
Um, if I go, if I say I have a stomach ache and I go to a stomach doctor, they're not just going to give me Pepto-Bismol. They are going to run images. They are going to do blood work. They're going to make sure, you know, that I don't have appendicitis. They're looking at all of these different things that are, that are, you know, symptoms of a stomach ache. So a stomach ache is just one symptom of all of these diagnoses. Well, similarly, the way that we do it is, you know, instead of just saying that you meet the checklist of ADHD or of anxiety, let's look to try to find the underlying cause because without looking at the brain, without looking at the blood, without mm -hmm. looking at the genetics of this person, are we really capable of even understanding who they are? I mean, the fact that, you know, for so long, psychiatry puts on a medication to a, to a person without actually looking at the main organ that it affects, which mm -hmm. is the brain is, is just, you know, it's just crazy compared to all of the other um, health sciences. I mean, we are 20 years, 30 years behind everyone else. So that really is part of our goal is um, at, at the Tarnall Center is to be able to look at the person, um, but not just objectively, to be able to look at them using instruments, to be able to look at them using science. So we actually have some data um, to help these parents understand. And, and what I've found is, is one of the most powerful things is it really does help to eliminate a lot of the guilt that our parents mm -hmm. feel. Um, being able to see on paper, look, this child shouldn't be sleeping because they're deficient in all their vitamins. Or, no, this child does have a, a, a brainwave pattern that causes them to wake up in the middle of the night. So it, mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of the guilt and the pressure off of parenting um, when we're able to see concrete concrete results on on paper of, of this is why a child may be behaving this way or this is why you may be experiencing this. Yeah, that's really important and, and powerful information for mm -hmm. not only the patient themselves, but yeah, for the parents or whoever mm -hmm. the, the caretaker or loved one might be. So one thing that you do within your center is use neurofeedback with mm -hmm. your patients. And you mentioned that briefly. But I know that this audience is very much interested in the brain and how it works and different brain waves and what those mean. Could you talk briefly about like some of the general brain waves that you see in correlation with some of these conditions? For instance, somebody with a lot of anxiety, is there mm -hmm. a certain brainwave you see more often? Absolutely. So we actually look for about 10, 10 to 15 different types of brainwave patterns that we know are correlated with psychiatric symptoms. Um, for example, we look for something called beta spindles. And beta spindles are a very fast brainwave activity in between tw 22 and 30 hertz. The typical brain functions around 10 to 11 hertz with an average of 8 to 12. Um, so 22 to 30 hertz is, is a fast brainwave pattern. These beta spindles um, are, are found in people um, with that have difficulty falling asleep, that wake up in the middle of the night. Um, beta spindles are correlated with a more anxiety-based ADHD. So if you have somebody that, you know, feels anxious a lot of the times, um, more often than not, we find beta spindles. Um, and what's so cool about the different brainwave patterns is we know which medications help to alleviate beta spindles. Um, so instead of just going, you know, the traditional medication for anxiety, we may go a different route in a whole different category. Another brainwave pattern that we look for is called transient discharges. These are isolated epileptiform discharges um, that are, are a seizure-like activity, but most of the time do not convert into full-blown epilepsy. Um, transient discharges 
are commonly found in kids who get set off by a really small provocation. Um, we, we typically see these in um, kids that tend to get pretty angry quickly or um, kids that have outbursts um, when really you know nothing major was was difficult for them. We see um, a lot of difficulty in transitions um, with, with transient discharges. But the first place we usually notice it is when a child is learning to read. And if they get mm. to the bottom of the paragraph and they have to kind of go back and reread, um, a transient discharge basically disconnects the brain for, for you know, maybe a millisecond or maybe longer. We have up to three seconds. Um, but what, what occurs is a child actually misses words. And so they're having to go back and reread um, a paragraph over and over. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the times they're falsely diagnosed with a learning disability. Um, so we do offer learning, we do have learning evaluation specialists there as well. Um, because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they have a, a processing issue or they have a learning disability when really they could just be having these transient discharges that, that cause their brain to kind of go offline for a couple of seconds. Um, mm -hmm. We look for another brainwave pattern, which is theta-beta ratio. This is your theta brainwaves um, in a ratio compared to your, your beta, so your slow to your fast. This is kind of our traditional... ADHD, um, you know, they, they're in your head kind of ADHD where you're just, um, you know, thinking, but then you're also distracted. Um, we have um, another brainwave called anterior hypocoherent alpha, and this is, is a long word, but it, it really is nothing more than just this this spacey ADHD. So um, these people tend to um, get lost in their own heads. They tend to have trouble focusing on something in front of them if they're, if they're consumed in their thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we do have different types, and those are just a couple, um, but we do have different types of brainwave patterns that, that can be not only helpful in diagnoses, but um, can be helpful in treatment as well. Um, so again, mm -hmm. when we put this information together with a pharmacogenomic study that would tell us the doses. The QEG tells us what medications the brain may need, while the pharmacogenomic study may tell us at what dose. Hmm. Um, and then the micronutrient tells us what we're missing, and the ALCAT test tells us what to avoid. Um, Okay, so when you're treating your patient using neurofeedback, mm -hmm. are there certain healthy brain waves that you're mm -hmm. hoping to improve or increase with those patients? Yes, yeah, so the, the, the typical brain um, functions at an alpha speed of around 8 to 12 hertz. Um, so when we, when we are doing the neurofeedback, typically that's the reward. Um, 12, 12 to 15 hertz is, is usually where we see the most deficit. So that's mm -hmm. what we're rewarding. And then we are inhibiting the brain waves of 4 to 11 and 22 to 30. So the slow mm -hmm. um, with, with um, concentration issues and the fast with anxiety. And although neurofeedback is a lot easier demonstrated, um, basically it just involves hooking up little electrodes and the electrodes aren't putting any energy in they're just receiving information from the brain so you don't mm -hmm. feel anything um, and basically while a child is hooked up to the the EEG cap they're also hooked up to the computer 
Um, for my kiddos, all, all we do is watch a movie. We watch a movie for about 40 minutes with the cap on and when their brain is going too slow, so or they're losing focus or when it speeds up with anxiety, the picture goes away and the sound goes away. But when they're watching the movie, they're focused, their brain is running at the right speed and it's, it's going in the correct pathways, the picture's bright and the sound is bright as well. So the brain wants to be able to watch the movie. The brain figures out, the brain is so powerful, but it, it figures out what pathways do I need to take and at what speed do I need to travel to be able to keep this movie bright? So it's similar to when we're riding a bike where I'm not getting on a bicycle and saying, all right, leg, activate quad <laughs> muscle or activate calf. Your, your, your body just does it and your brain just does it. Um, so in the same way, you know, when we are hooked up to the computer, um, the, the brain figures out what it needs to do. So then over time through reinforcement with the movies, those become the default pathways. So when I sit down to take a test or when I sit down to have a conversation, my brain is automatically traveling at those speeds. That's really interesting and so cool that we can train the brain to actually have the right brain waves. Um, so I like to ask all of my guests um, a couple of questions. In your opinion, what is the most impactful thing that you can do or maybe that you do personally to improve your health and wellness? I think what changed for me was learning out how to, finding out how to listen to my body. Um, that was the most important thing. And while, you know, while I may think that I was eating healthy, I was always still having some stomach aches or I was having a brain fog or headaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so listening to my body, I think is the most important. Some days um, I, I may eat a lot. Some days I may not eat, not eat as much. And I just listen to what my body is telling me. If my body's telling me to sit, I sit. And if my body's telling me to move, I move. Um, and, and that was probably the most important thing for me. Instead of just listening to this, this overarching idea that somebody told mm-hmm. me of what is healthy or what is, what is good for you, exercise is good for you, or running is good for you, or yeah. vegetables are good for you, um, I, I learned to listen to my own body. Um, yeah, I also practice similarly to you, and it's certainly important to um, kind of test out what works best for yourself and not just listen to somebody who's prescribing some specific diet or um, Mm -hmm. exercise regimen. So also, if you could provide our listeners one piece of tangible advice that would have the greatest impact on their health right now, what would that be? It would probably be before you head out on any course of treatment. Um, make sure that you understand where the symptoms are coming from. So instead of treating a disorder or treating a symptom, try to get to the bottom of what the root cause of these symptoms are. Because unfortunately, a lot of the times people go off on, on you know, predetermined treatments because this is the, what's, what we're told is the course of action. Um, and, it, and it never ends up addressing the actual issue and the actual root cause of the issue. Yeah. So, so that would probably be my my advice would be let's make sure that we fully understand the issue from a comprehensive and integrative and holistic standpoint before jumping into a treatment plan. Yeah, thank you. That's such a great piece of advice. So if our listeners are interested in 
contacting you or getting to know more about you or the center that you work at, um, where can they find more information? Um, so the easiest way is probably going to be to email me. And my email is Caitlin, which is C-A-I-T-L-I-N at TarnowCenter.com. So that's T-A-R-N-O-W-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Um, and if, if you want to just log on to the Tarnow Center website, that's T-A-R-N-O-W um, Center. We have a website that's really, really um, useful, and it gives, gives you guys um, a better idea of comprehensively what we offer. Again, I, I only briefly touched on um, some of the pieces, but we do offer a lot more that I didn't go over today. But if you send me an email, I will be happy to... Um, just chit chat with you or I'll be happy to um, help direct um, to either resources in your area or also um, give you some more information about ours. Great. Thank you so much and thank you for coming on the podcast and providing such great and useful information. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the BioCurious podcast today. If you found today's episode interesting, please feel free to leave a review. And also, I would love it if you took a screenshot of the episode and shared it on your social media so that others can find the podcast too. And as always, I love connecting with all of you and getting your feedback. So if you have any comments or questions about today's episode, please feel free to send me a direct message on Instagram. My handle is biocurious underscore Kayla. Looking forward to connecting with you and I'll see you next time. Thank you.